0: Chapter 5 Cast thy bread upon the waters. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Discovering that doing things the Lord's way yields better results than what we might do on our own opens the door to new possibilities. In the last chapter, we postulated that one reason we are commanded to pay tithing is to help us live within our means. We will not have the money available to pay a full tithe if we are spending more than we earn. Thus, having a handle on one's finances, and living within one's means, is but one of the blessings faithful tithe-payers enjoy. Learning to give a tenth back to the Lord also encourages us to be less covetous of our own property. The more we give, the easier it gets. After all, it is not ours anyway. The Law of Tithing The Law of Tithing was given to the Church in 1838 after the early saints were found wanting in their attempts to live the Law of Consecration. In the same way as the wandering Israelites who were given the law of Moses, tithing is a schoolmaster for our generation. The promises given by the Lord to those who faithfully observe the law of tithing are bountiful indeed. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 Truly the windows of heaven are open when we are obedient. I have always said that it is easier to live on 90% of our income with the Lord's help than it is to live on 100% without it. I would also add that accomplishing the goals outlined in this book are impossible without the Lord's help. So paying tithing is a fundamental component of your success. Minimize this key principle at your own peril. The Lord gives all commandments to help us to stay on course, much like a road map. Despite the benefits gained by tithing being used by the church for worthwhile purposes, the Lord does not really need our money. But we do need to learn to become less selfish to begin to become like Him. The payment of tithes with a willing heart is primarily for our growth. The kingdom of God on earth will continue to roll forth. We each simply need to decide if we want to be part of the caravan. Sheldon Child in the April 2008 General Conference called tithing the best investment you would ever make. He went on to say, I remember dad coming home that night and dropping 20 silver dollars into my hands. Money was hard to come by and I thought I had all the money in the world. I counted, admired, and polished each coin carefully. When Sunday came, I reluctantly put two shiny coins into my pocket to pay my tithing. As hard as it was to surrender my precious silver dollars to the bishop, I still remember now how good I felt being obedient to the Lord. On the way home from church, my mother told me how proud she was of me. Then she said, Your grandfather always told us children that if we would faithfully pay an honest tithing, the Lord would bless us and it would be the best investment that we could ever make. The Lord asked Israel to prove him, to test him, to have faith in him, so that he would be able to keep his promise to them. That same commandment and that same promise are in effect today. When we keep the law of the tithe, The Lord's promise is sure, blessings will come to us both temporally and spiritually according to the wisdom and timing of the Lord. We are living in challenging economic times, however, if we look back over the past years, we find there have been and will continue to be times of relative prosperity and times of financial uncertainty. But regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, if we first pay our obligation to the Lord and then use wisdom and good judgment, the Lord will help us manage the resources He has given us. Robert D. Hales added this insight at the April 2009 conference. He says, The foundation of provident living is the law of the tithe. The primary purpose of this law is to help us develop faith in our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Tithing helps us overcome our desires for the things of this world and willingly make sacrifices for others. Tithing is the great equitable law, for no matter how rich or poor we are, all of us pay the same one-tenth, of our increase annually. See Doctrine and Covenants section 119 verse 4. One caveat of the Lord's law of tithing is that he does not expect us to pay tithing until after he has already blessed us with increase. How easy is that? By being faithful tithe payers, we become provident providers for our families. The Lord continues to bless us more abundantly and the cycle continues. Who would not want to be part of that? One of my favorite quotes on the principle of tithing comes from a talk by N. Eldon Tanner entitled, Constancy Amid Change. The payment of tithing is a commandment, a commandment with a promise. If we obey this commandment, we are promised that we will prosper in the land. This prosperity consists of more than material goods. It may include enjoying good health and vigor of mind. It includes family, solidarity, and spiritual increase. I hope those of you not presently paying your full tithe will seek the faith and strength to do so. As you discharge this obligation to your maker, you will find great, great happiness, the like of which is known only by those who are faithful to this commandment. I testify along with President Tanner that obedience to the law of tithing will bring abundant blessings of a nature and scope that is difficult to quantify. Faithfully paying your tithing will open the windows of heaven into your life and make everything else easier. In addition to paying our tithe, we have the opportunity to give fast offerings to help the poor. As our incomes increase, our voluntary donations should increase also and be part of our giving plan. For no budget is complete that does not include giving back. The poor are always with us. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. Mark chapter 14 verse 7. And after ye have obtained a hope in Christ ye shall obtain riches, if ye seek them. And ye will seek them for the intent to do good, to clothe the naked, and to feed the hungry, and to liberate the captive, and administer relief to the sick and the afflicted. Jacob chapter two verse nineteen According to Jacob, our obtaining worldly wealth is a good thing if we use our agency and our wealth to benefit the lives of others less fortunate. This is consistent with the Lord's plan to care for the poor. Governments impose through taxation what we should voluntarily do if we follow scriptural directives. The forced redistribution of wealth does little to help the poor improve their lot and makes it more difficult for the well-meaning to be philanthropic after their wealth has been confiscated through taxation. Here is a very clear directive from the Lord in the Doctrine and Covenants on how he would have the poor cared for. And it is my purpose to provide for my saints, for all things are mine, but it must needs be done in mine own way. And behold, this is the way that I, the Lord, have decreed to provide for my saints, that the poor shall be exalted, in that the rich are made low. For the earth is full, and there is enough and to spare. Yea, I prepared all things, and have given unto the children of men to be agents unto themselves. Therefore, if any man shall take of the abundance which I have made, and impart not his portion, according to the law of my gospel, unto the poor and the needy, he shall, with the wicked, lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Doctrine and Covenants, section 104, verses 15 through 18. Here is another example from Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver." Fortunate are those whose spending and giving plan is designed to live on a percentage of their income. For with their surplus, they still have the capability to do with it as the Lord intended. For the rest who cannot keep the sauce on the crust, there is not much hope of their having the means or ability to do good with their surplus. Consequences cannot be separated from the choices we make, so plan wisely. Seed corn. When a grain farmer harvests his crop, he does not eat or sell the entire harvest. He saves some of the grain for the following year's crop to be put back into the earth. If someone is accused of eating their seed corn, it means they have overindulged their current consumption without regard to the future. These are the same folks who spill the sauce over the edge of their pizza into the abyss. The wise farmer knows that by putting a portion of the grain back into the ground the following spring, he will gain a hundredfold, as each kernel of grain will grow into a plant that produces an entire head of grain and the cycle continues. Being in touch with the earth and this cycle of life keeps us closer to God because we recognize the miracles that take place during every season to provide us our sustenance. In our modern society, a shift has clearly occurred away from an agrarian focus toward an economy comprised primarily of goods, services, and technology. I am convinced that one of the reasons we have been asked by modern prophets to grow gardens is in large part to bring us closer to God, by learning some of the same life lessons our agrarian forefathers cherished. By our digging, planting, watering, weeding, and otherwise caring for our vegetable gardens, we are gently tutored in the law of the harvest. The benefits of this spiritual instruction are worth far more than any cost savings we might enjoy by buying produce commercially. Grow something. An experiment. One day while pondering the concept of seed corn as it relates to our harvest of money every year, I wondered what would happen if I planted my tithing by paying it before the harvest instead of after. The Lord does not require us to pay tithing until after he has already blessed us, but paying it early cannot hurt. A few years ago, after attending our tithing settlement in December, I decided to experiment by paying the following year's tithing in January, based on the amount of money I wanted to earn that year, instead of the usual habit of calculating and paying it after the harvest. In faith, I planted a generous amount of seed, more than in any previous year, hoping for a bountiful harvest. To my delight, I was surprised to the upside and was blessed to pay even more after the harvest. The following year I did the same with the same result. I have continued to plant early each year and will continue to do so because I like the result. This practice is not something you will have the resources to do early in your life, nor am I recommending it to the reader. I am only testifying of the Lord's blessing in my life after choosing to experiment upon the Word. Listen to the words from the hymn, Come, ye thankful people, come. Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, ere the winter storms begin. God our maker doth provide, for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come, raise the song of harvest home. All the world is God's own field, fruit as praise to God we yield. Wheat and tares together sown, are to joy our sorrow grown. First the blade and then the ear, then the full corn shall appear. Lord of harvest grant that we, wholesome grain and pure may be.